Welcome to Camp Glory's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message by Pastor Sam Fine. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. And have you ever just been reading the scripture and then all of a sudden it just jumps out at you and the illumination of the word and revelation comes, understanding comes. So I was reading this week and I was so gripped by, by what the Lord was speaking to me about. So, um, so I want to share with you today really what the Lord showed me. So today's message is a unique one. It's called Getting Engaged. Getting engaged. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1 through 9. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 9. Put it on your, on your phone if you have your Bible, or we'll have it up here. Let's start in verse 1. We are convinced that even if these bodies we lived in are folded up as a tent, as at are folded up at death like tents, we will still have a God-built home that no human hands have built, which will last forever in the heavenly realm. You know, I, I'm really looking forward to having my glorified body. I really am. I, I, it's, I have a feeling it's going to be ripped, abs of steel. It's going to be shapely, and I get to wear it forever. But it's going to be nice. And this body, which is gradually fading away, I get to wear a new one that will be a supersize. So verse 2, we inwardly sigh as we live in these physical tents, longing to put on a new body for our life in heaven, in the belief that once we put on our new clothing, we won't find ourselves naked. You know, one of the things that was very apparent, Adam and Eve, once they took a bite of the apple and sinned before the Lord, first thing that they recognized was the fact that they were naked. I mean, he looked at the woman, he said, woman, where are your clothes? And they, they saw their frailty. They saw the imperfections, the weaknesses. And so they gathered fig leaves. And they clothed themselves and they hid from God. You know, as we are as we are walking in these this body, these tents, we are very aware of our weaknesses. We're very aware of our shortcomings. We're very aware of our limitations and the temptations that we go through. And our bodies really do groan deep within our spirits for wearing our, our heavenly garments. So, verse 4, so while living in this tent, we groan under its burden, not because we want to die, but because we want these, bo- these new bodies. We crave for all that that is mortal to be swallowed up by the eternal life. And this is no empty hope, for God himself is the one who has prepared us for this wonderful destiny. And to confirm this promise, He has given us the Holy Spirit like an engagement ring as a guarantee. Verse 6, that's why we are always full of courage, 
Even while we are at home in the body, we are homesick to be with the Master. For we live by faith, not by what we see with our eyes. We live with a joyful confidence, yet at the same time we take delight in the thought of leaving our bodies behind to be at home with the Lord. So whether we live or die, we make it our life's passion to live our lives pleasing to Him. As I was reading this scripture, I was very struck by the understanding that that God was making a promise with us and that this hope that we have of living in a glorified body is not an empty promise. And to confirm this promise, God has given us through his son, the Holy Spirit, like an engagement ring which is a guarantee, which is a seal that's going to protect you until that day in which you meet Jesus. It is an incredible picture to realize that Jesus, when he, before his uh, going to the cross in John 14, he said, I'm not going to leave you alone, but I'm going to pray to the Father that he would give you the comforter. Or you might read helper in the scriptures to help you in this life, to lead you and to guide you. And as he announces to his disciples, he was doing it to let them know that, that he wasn't going to leave them just all alone, that he was going to leave them with a comforter. Also, that Greek word for comforter means parakletos, which means the called one who comes along your side, who's walking with you along your side through life on this earth until you meet Jesus. So in this, it also carries the notion that coming alongside, he's also going to be doing things such as encouraging you, teaching you, comforting you, guiding you, speaking to you, and what he's doing is preparing you to meet Jesus, your bridegroom, the lover of your soul. The Holy Spirit is preparing you and equipping you along this journey on this earth so that we might be ready for that wonderful day when all of us who have called upon the name of the Lord are going to be at the wedding feast of the Lord. We're going to be around the table together, having a wonderful party and acknowledging our Savior as our bridegroom king, the one who's been longing for us and waiting for us. But the understanding that when when somebody receives the Lord Jesus into their heart, as their Lord and Savior, and are forgiven of their sin, are then filled with the Holy Spirit, asking for the gift, asking for this precious gift that Jesus promised he would give his disciples that you read about in Acts 2, when they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, something very beautiful happens. As a guarantee 
to seal your sonship, the Holy Spirit is like an engagement ring. And it's to signify that you are the Lord's and no one else's. No other lover is going to be able to take you away. No one is going to be able to steal you away from Jesus. So when somebody receives Jesus, they're filled with the Spirit. It's like Jesus coming up to you. Can you take that off? I have a better one. No. <laughs> and it's like when you receive Christ and you're filled with the Spirit, Jesus comes up and he puts a ring on your finger. And it's signifying to you, reminding you that you're his and no one else's. And the Holy Spirit is going to watch over you and take care of you and prepare you for that day when you meet Jesus in the air, when he comes back to get you. I love doing weddings. Weddings are so incredible because they're a prophetic picture of one day when the bride has made herself ready for Jesus. He's, the bride has, has taken time to make sure that the garments are white and pure and beautiful without spot or wrinkle. And it's an incredible picture when, when the bride is coming down and she stands before everybody in her dress. And then you have, you have the, the groom on the side who's like a thoroughbred, you know, just wanting to get her. I mean, it's hard to hold him back. I mean, you can feel it, you know. You can feel the, you know, in the air, just the, ah, 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 she's so beautiful, you know. And so in that, he's going he's gonna to come and he's going to take her in, in his arms and he's going to bring her up to the table. So it is an incredible prophetic picture. Every time at a wedding, I'm at all at the holiness of the moment where each of us have prepared ourselves and are making ourselves ready for Jesus. So to signify that, Jesus guarantees, seals our salvation by an engagement ring, like an engagement ring which is a guarantee to let everyone know she's mine and no one else's. When I first got engaged, there were some individuals that were vying for my wife's attention, and I said, mm-hmm, she's mine. She is mine. You don't have to go through me to get her. No, but, you know, I was going to stand up for her. No one was going to take my my to to be um, right. So I was going to fight. You know, I I didn't. I wasn't going to mess around. So in that, we have a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit being like an engagement ring, and it's to remind you of the coming day. Let's look at um, Ephesians one thirteen. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, 
having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Listen to that. To the view of the redemption of God's own possession. The Holy Spirit is a pledge to you. He's going to walk with you and he's going to be with you every step of the way of your life here on this earth. And his job is to get you ready. Our job is to obey. Our job is to listen. Our job is to be pliable and teachable as the Holy Spirit instructs us in the ways of the Lord. So who is the Holy Spirit? You know, it's important for us to better understand the person of the Holy Spirit by realizing that that the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. But according to the scripture, the Holy Spirit is, he's not only God, he's the third person of the Trinity. And he has a will, and he has a personality, and he has emotions. He has feelings. And he can be offended. He can be easily offended by our actions and what we say and what we do on this earth. So with the Holy Spirit being so close to you like the ring on your finger, his job is to be preparing you to meet your bridegroom, Jesus, at the marriage feast of the Lamb. So as he is preparing us to meet Jesus face to face, walking alongside us, His role is many, but he's to teach us, protect us, convict us, lead us, help us, comfort us. But one of the main jobs that he does is to release the love of the Father into your heart, to give you hope and to give you encouragement to keep pressing on. His role is to release the love of the Father on a, in a continual basis in your heart that you might cry out, Abba, Father, Papa. It is an incredible thought that as many of us have, have had different experiences with our Father, sometimes when we talk about Father, it, it doesn't have the best connotations. But the Holy Spirit is showing you the true love of the Father. And so as we're going through struggles in life, He's here to give us hope, hope that endures, hope that encourages us to keep pressing on. So let's look at Romans 5 5. Romans 5 5. It says, And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Experiencing God's love should be a continual part of our daily lives. So as we're struggling, as we're going through different things in life, 
We need to be asking the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, fill me with the love of the Father. Fill me with God's love this day, that my heart might be tender, that my heart might be teachable, that as this, as His love pours into your heart, there's nothing that strengthens one more than having a, an experiential understanding that God really does love me. I had, I had a dear friend call me this last week. And for many years, I've been talking to him about the Father's love. And I was sharing with him, you know, I'm not talking about just always doing what's right, which is important. Uh, and not just a head knowledge of that God is love. I said, I want you to understand that there's an experiential reality that you can have where the Holy Spirit releases the Father's love into your heart on a continual basis. So I gave him a book by Jack Frost called From Slavery to Spiritual Sonship. I gave him the book, and he said, oh, yeah, yeah, this is a nice book. We had it on a shelf for two years. And he called me this week. And he said, Sam, for the first time, I had an encounter with a father's love. I encountered, Sam, I encountered the father's love. I said, well, that's good. That's good. I said, I was so happy for him. But he was like, he thought I wasn't getting it. But he said, Sam, I just want to repent to you because you were trying to explain to me that a lot of times in life we can walk around with an orphan heart trying to perform and do things right all the time, trying to be perfect, living in a performance-oriented life where, where if we perform right, then surely God's going to love us because God's love. But when we live in that life, we live kind of like on a... On a hamster wheel. We just keep going around and going around, and you're not truly experiencing the depths of the love of God in your heart that loves you because you're a son and a daughter and nothing else. It has nothing to do with your performance. It has everything to do was that He loved you from the foundation of the world, and He created you with a great purpose. He fashioned you and formed you he loves everything about you, and there's nothing you can do to upset him or, or change his love for you. And when you come into a, an understanding of sonship, that I'm a son, I'm one of the family, and you can experience the depths of God's love in your heart, it gives you hope to endure life on this earth. This kind of love is what we're to be drinking daily to affirm us and to encourage us. But I said, I said, I told my friend, I said, brother, I forgive you. He said, but I'm just so sorry. When you gave me that book, I went, oh yeah, this is a nice book. I know all about this. I know God is love. And he put it on the shelf. And then he heard a message by Jack Frost on having an orphan heart. And he said, Sam, I didn't realize it. All these years I've been walking around with an orphan heart and I did not know the love of the Father. 
So experientially understanding the Holy Spirit's role is to introduce to you a love that transcends your performance, that goes beyond what you're able to do, and you're able to rest in the Father's embrace and drive out the orphan heart, drive out the fear, drive out all the the rejection. It pushes it out, and you're able to bask in the Father's love. And this is what the Holy Spirit is doing for you and me. But one thing that we can do, if we're not careful, is to grieve the Holy Spirit. Now remember, He's walking alongside of you. He's right alongside of you. And it says to be mindful that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, to grieve simply means to make sorrowful or sad. It doesn't mean He's left you. It just means you made him sad, sorrowful. Have you ever been in the presence of somebody and they just said some things to you and it it just, it really hurt your heart and it really saddened you. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoo, okay, I get the point. We back away. We're like, okay, just be with yourself. Okay. You feel that way because it hurts. You know, we should, we kind of shut our heart down. We retreat. We, we've got our badge, been there, done that. Nice knowing you. Well, he doesn't leave us. He doesn't leave us. At times, though, his heart is sorrowful because he's here preparing us to meet Jesus. But we also got to understand that he's the third person of the Godhead. And he's standing right beside you. So let's look at Ephesians 4.29. These are the ways in which, I want to look at some ways in which we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And we got to be mindful of these things. We can't just go through life flippantly thinking that our actions and our decisions aren't affecting the Holy Spirit. We have to be really mindful that what we do and what we say really does matter. You know, some people say, well, that's just the way I am. I say it like it is. Well, great. But how's the Holy Spirit feel about it? I mean, come on. We could just say things the way we want, but how does he feel? Ephesians 4, 29. Do not use foul. I'm reading this from the uh, New Living um, the New Living Translation. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Dan, I read this verse, and I just thought to myself, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. I so appreciate um, how you've encouraged people over the years, how 
they're not going to lose their salvation just by, by all of a sudden falling off the apple cart one day. That the Holy Spirit has guaranteed their salvation. And they're not going to lose it. So I want to encourage you, if you've really blown it in this last year, you've not lost your salvation. Because the Holy Spirit has sealed you, guaranteed you, stamped you, said you are mine. So we are sealed until the day of redemption. But verse 31 says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So what makes Holy Spirit sad or sorrowful? The first thing is this. Foul or abusive language makes the Holy Spirit sad. If you're using foul or abusive language, I, I just want to encourage you, how does the Holy Spirit feel about it? What does He think about it? The word's pretty clear here. Verse 29 says, don't use foul or abusive language. The words used here, what they do is it, it speaks of that word actually speaks of something that's gone rotten, something that's gone bad. And this, this includes obscene language, profanity, dirty stories, vulgarity, or abusive language that hurts. What comes out of our mouth, our words are life and death. And when it's trafficking in the area of abusive language, where we're using vulgarity, we're using, um, uh, we're, we're having abusive behavior. It is grieving the Holy Spirit. So we got to realize something. At this point, if if the Holy Spirit is feeling sorrowful or grieved by what we're saying out loud of our mouth, take heed to this. Because the Holy Spirit is preparing you to meet your bridegroom. He's getting you ready. And he's your advocate. He's your paraclete. He's right there beside you. So when that's coming out of your mouth, you need to think, hmm, I wonder if this is affecting God in me. Well, it is. The other day, I happened to visit um, somebody's house. They weren't there, so I left a note, left my number, said, you know, hey. Well, the wife called me and thought I was somebody else. And she proceeded to bless me out on the phone. Just lay into me. And I'm like, woo. And I mean, some of the things she was saying, I was like, okay, this is starting to hurt. This is starting to hurt. And then all of a sudden, I hear her say, and if you ever come by my house again, I'll shoot you. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, I just stopped by to say hello. I mean, come on, you're going to shoot me? 
I got it. She said, I got a big gun. I'm like, my husband's a Marine. Special Forces. I'm like, you know, I was, I'm just like, what is going on here? Well, unfortunately, they, 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 they thought I was somebody else. But the reality was, I got a barrel full of words. I mean, I was just like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know people had that kind of language. You know, I didn't know people could talk like that. So I, I, I got off the phone. I said, okay, bless you, bless you. And I got the phone. I called Eli. I said, oh, honey, please pray for me right now. I just got a bazooka barrel to my chest with these words. But, you know, it affected me. How much do you think that our words and our behavior is affecting God Almighty? You're being prepared for a coming day in the blink of an eye at the last trump. Jesus is coming back for the bride. The question is, are you ready? Have you allowed him to make you ready? Number two are the ways we can grieve the Holy Spirit is through bitterness. Bitterness makes the Holy Spirit sad and sorrowful. The definition of bitterness is an embittered and resentful spirit that refuses to be reconciled. You know, some people just like to be mad. They just can't get over the fact of being mad. And God has given us a really wonderful opportunity to get rid of anger. He's given you 24 hours. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Why? Because it turns into bitterness. When it turns into bitterness, it turns into a root. And talks in Hebrews, don't allow a bitter root to spring up. And what does bitterness do? It defiles many. If there was a bitter heart here, their bitterness could just spew out and defile those around them. And that defilement actually means a stain in a garment that won't go out. Bitterness has the ability to just affect everybody in a room. And so we have to be so careful to not allow it to grow in our heart. You know, there are some that just live for conflict. They live for arguing. And they love to fight. They really are. There's people that just love that. It's almost like they pick a fight. They want to argue because they want to show you that they're right and you're wrong. Even if they don't think it, they're going to fake it because they're right. But this, if we, if, if we allow this kind of stuff, bitter, if we allow it to go unchecked within our heart, allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us, it can actually change the very personality of who you are. It can actually change your thinking. It can affect you from experiencing the love of the Father on a continual basis every day because the Holy Spirit's job is to release the love of the Father in your heart 
through him to show you on a daily basis how much he loves you, he's with you, and he's for you. A third thing is fits of rage and uncontrolled anger make the Holy Spirit sad and sorrowful. Rage speaks of a person who is easily angered, who raises his voice, shouting and screaming. And slander is speaking evil of others behind their backs. Speaking evil of anybody behind one's back is slander. Malicious behavior speaks of ill will and plotting evil against somebody. All these things I just read are things that grieve the Holy Spirit. We have such an advocate walking with us right on our side, right here. And I really think we, you know when you grieve the Holy Spirit, He, ha, he hasn't left you. But really the awareness and the sense of His presence is not there. He's there, but he's sad. He's sorrowful. And the awareness of his presence begins to be a little bit dim. And it's when our hearts turn and we repent, say, Lord, forgive me for being so angry in my heart. Forgive me for getting bitter. Forgive me for just having malicious thoughts. And we repent and turn. He's right there to say, son, I love you. I love you and I'm for you. And he's continually putting his arms around us and he's helping us as we are on this journey to know him more. You know, after Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove and it landed on his shoulder. In like manner, we have to walk through life with the thought that there's a dove on our shoulders. I used to raise doves. Some of you know this, white doves. They're beautiful doves. And I, 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 I just I used to love getting up in the morning and having coffee with Solomon, my, my champion male dove. And then he, and then he had, you know, his, his lady his beautiful lady. You know, they have one mate for life, doves. And so I'd, they'd be cooing, and I'd, I'd, I'd let Solomon get on my shoulder, and I'd be in the living room. And, and uh, you know, if I, if I made any sudden movements or, hey, what are you talking about? Or just, you know, kind of, you know, tried to, you know, do something, you know, alarming or startling. I mean, Solomon would freak out. I mean, he'd just he'd fly off, you know, and I'd have to go get him. But we have to be mindful as we're walking through life that we have a dove on our shoulders. And that is symbolic of us being mindful of not to grieve um, the Holy Spirit in our life. So we must be careful. You know, I think what's really interesting about when we read all those things um, of ways in which we can grieve the Holy Spirit. A lot of this is interactions between 
people in the body of Christ. It really comes down to people that we are brothers and sisters in the Lord and what we say to one another and how we treat one another. The Holy Spirit is building up the body into unity, into oneness. He's building us up and he's encouraging us to edify and love one another because we are a body working together to give a full picture of who Jesus is. So we have to remember how we respond in life and the actions and the decisions that we make matter. Some people might, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it doesn't matter what I do, what I say. Well, yeah, it does. If you're a believer in Jesus. And if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you have been given an engagement ring that's preparing you. So when you're going through life, like it, huh? Her finger says, keep it on my finger. Thank you. I always tell people when we put the rings on a, on a, a new bride and, and groom that during weddings, you know, knuckles do swell. So, cause sometimes it's hard to get the ring on. You're like, Whoa, okay. So, but when we go through life, we have something to remind us something that is a guarantee, a seal that we are the Lord's and no, no one else's. And with these rings is signifying to us that as we're going through life, we're being prepared for a wonderful wedding. And yes, guys are getting ready to be married. Guys and girls are getting ready to be married. I'm looking forward to the day. And my heart longs for the day that I get to see Jesus. I look forward to it. And I know many of you here long for it. I was talking to Joe Jane the other day. And Joe Jane can't wait to see Jesus. She can't wait. She's looking forward to the day. <laughs> so good. Well, we all do. So, amen. Well, let's stand. Father, we thank you so much that you've given us the Holy Spirit as a seal, like an engagement ring that is signifying that we're yours, but you're also preparing us and getting us ready. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us how to walk in your ways. Teach us how to know what to say. Teach us how to know how to respond on this earth. That we might bless you and not dishonor you. We want to honor you all the days of our life. And we thank you and we praise you that you're the most precious gift that we could ever receive. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just, if we've fallen into using abusive language, 
being angry, getting bitter, slander, evil behavior. We ask, Lord, today that you'd forgive us. Forgive us of our sin. Forgive us for how we've not honored and loved those around us. So we ask today, Lord, that you would just cleanse us in the blood of the Lamb. Wipe away our sin. Lift off of us, Lord, just even the guilt. And we're sorry that in any way that we've grieved you and have hurt your heart. So we honor you, Holy Spirit. We ask that you just come and have your way in our midst and minister to our hearts the love of the Father, that we might come to know the height and the depth, the width and the breadth of the love of God, that His love would be expanding in our hearts and that we would be known as sons and daughters, not orphans anymore. We've been brought into the family, and once we're in the family, we're always family. So, Father, we thank you for that. We ask for your anointing just to rest upon us, your sweet presence, and we thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you, and we honor you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.